Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and I'm joined by my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about Whiplash. This is a drama directed by Damien Chazelle. Cast includes Kilometer Sayer and J. Jonah Jameson. I watched this movie on Am. I didn't watch it on Amazon. You watched it on Amazon. I watched dude. it on Amazon. I watched You're it on me. <laughs> I watched it on YouTube. Um, <laughs> although I was a little disappointed that this movie isn't available for streaming like for free anywhere. I was hoping that like Netflix or somebody would have it, but it's you got to rent it. It's a little yeah. bit disappointing. Anyways, Joey, hit us with that synopsis. A young man breaks a sweat when he gets a feisty new drum teacher. Yes, sir. That is Whiplash. Let's get right into it. Joey, what are your pros for this movie? Well, this is this is a great movie. It's um, really intense, dramatic. It's full of all this really great suspense. Um, J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller are just really, really amazing. There's both it's like both of them emit so much control and also so much emotion. In, in both of the roles. Um, and you can see both the cl- characters clearly and you understand every action that they take. And even though like I'm not a drummer and I don't think a lot of people are jazz drummers out there, I feel like the story is very easily transferable to other things in your life. Um, and so it makes it very relatable. I agree. Um, I mean, yeah, the acting in this is supreme, especially J.K. Simmons. He's just fantastic the whole time. Oh, yeah. um, the music is also really good. I'm not a like I wouldn't call myself necessarily like a jazz fan. Like I don't listen to jazz. I definitely would not. But <laughs> I might give it a shot. Like well, <laughs> seeing the uh, <laughs> seeing some of the things in this movie, I was like, there is an orchestra here in Oklahoma City. Like I bet the tickets aren't that expensive. I bet I could go see some something like this live, um, and I might have a greater appreciation for it having seen this. Um, I don't know if I'd get the same camera angles because the camera angles in this were freaking amazing. Oh my gosh, it's so cool. There is, uh, there's always something cool to look at. Uh, I mean, th- that was my thing coming into this film. I was like, okay, a movie about a drummer got nominated for best motion picture. <laughs> Snore, dude. This is obviously one of those movies where they're like trying to seem high class and that's why they put it there. Eh, this movie is so, it's like, I'm glad nobody tried to explain this movie to me because I don't think you can do it justice really. By no, it's ex- not a high concept thing. It's it's very much like character driven. Yes, you know, there's this kind, of, there's this plot and everything, but it's mostly about these two gut people interacting and like them clashing at like the most base level. It's the experience of being there for it, listening oh, yeah. to the music, seeing all these like impossible camera angles. It's just ah, oh, I loved it. Um, it's it's also really focused. This movie doesn't like waste any time uh, dealing with things that are you know kind of outside of the main plot. It does touch on a couple of things, um, but it all kind of relates to this central uh, focus between these two characters, um, which I really enjoyed because uh, you're so engaged with the central conflict that when you get taken away from it at all, you're like, oh, get bring me back! Come on, I want to <laughs> yeah, see. Yeah, I want to know what's going on. Yeah, and uh, but and they they do keep you engage that whole time and the whole um you know just there are things that are common 
for any orchestra, and uh, this kind of brought me back to my days of being an orchestra. I was in my like me too. I was I played the clarinet in high school. Yeah, and I, I played the violin, and which band and orchestra are kind of divided as far as like well, not just kind of divided. They're literally two different things, but there are a lot yeah. of similarities that I think if you were in one of these organizations and you're watching this movie, you'll be brought back to those days. Like everyone walking in, <laughs> setting down their like briefcase that contains an instrument, you know, clacking them open, you know, getting ready. Like, yeah, yeah. All that stuff just it brought back great memories. Um, it made me appreciate being an orchestra a little bit more. Um, I mean, I don't know. How did you feel about that? When I was in school, I hated being an orchestra. I, everyone, I mean, people didn't necessarily make fun of you, but it wasn't like a cool thing to be an orchestra. But now that I'm an adult, I appreciate it a lot more. I, I mean, there wasn't really the, uh, people didn't really have a past judgment on me because I played an instrument that was kind of there wasn't that many of us. We were kind of a small band, but. Um, I didn't like it because I wasn't very good and I didn't want to practice. Oh, I didn't either. I hated it. But we had class so frequently that you, you we had played practice. us. Yeah, we, we class every single day. Yeah. It was one of my normal classes. Right. And so, like, that's that's the thing. I was like, you expect me to do this at school and at home? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Anyways, not to get too focused on me, uh, just I... I I think that this is a uh, like they, that that aspect of the movie is uh, another cool thing you see behind the scenes kind of of an orchestra, uh, which is nice. Um, all right, let's let's turn it over to the cons, and I'll go first for this. Um, I couldn't find a whole lot. Again, I think this movie is really thought out and and doesn't doesn't stray from what it's good at. But uh, I thought the car wreck maybe was a little bit unrealistic. Uh, he got totally flipped, and he just crawls out and runs to the show. Um, I don't know. It's kind of... Yeah, but he wasn't okay. That's I mean- true. That's true. And and he obviously didn't play well. Um, but I thought he died. I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of reaching for that one. I also think that the dinner scene was a little bit heavy-handed with how like mean those people were to him about his drumming. Like Model UN is not more impressive than being in the Schaefer uh, like jazz orchestra. Yeah, but if you're not like I don't know, it's the same way that you just kind of described it a second ago. Or like, oh, what, how is this movie gonna be interesting if it's just about drumming? You know, I don't, I don't think drumming, I don't find drumming that artistic or that interesting. It's hard, like. Yeah, but model when you're with UN him in the movie. What model UN and Teacher of the Year are at least on the same playing field. I just feel like it's in a, easier for people to to like understand. I think as, it's easier for people to comprehend. As far as uh, like this movie has a lot of great dialogue, and I just feel like the way that that scene plays out is it's a that portion of it because I do really love that scene, especially when uh, I do too. I like that's one of my favorite scenes. He, he starts it, going, he goes sicko mode on him after. But the way they set oh, it up, yeah. I think, is like a little bit. Uh, heavy handed in the way that like especially it maybe it's just i don't appreciate the acting of like the i don't know mom figure i'm not even sure who those people are are they like his family or yeah i guess so i maybe his um aunt and uncle or something but but it's like there there's a difference between not truly appreciating drumming and being like a jerk to somebody uh because she's like oh my gosh like d3 like football mvp model un which not that impressive to me and teacher of the year so much talent oh and you know drumming it's like oh she asked asked him how's the drumming going before that she didn't know anything about what he was up to I t- you know, she she only talked about the things that she knew. I don't know. I like this scene a lot because it's. Um, and I'm not trying to tell you that you're wrong. I guess. Although no, 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 no <laughs> we're here to. This is a discussion. I'm I'm willing to have my mind change. I, I like this part a lot because it's the most nuance you see outside of the kind of silo that 
um, Andrew kind of lives in. You know, he thinks there's only one path to greatness. He thinks there's only one way to get there. That's through Fletcher. And, you know, Fletcher obviously agrees with that. So you kind of get this one view of how, like, greatness can come about or how, you know, what, what are the consequences of pursuing something to this degree? And these other kids show, like, oh, you know, we can, we can achieve things and also be people. We don't have to be jerks and stuff. I don't know. It's an interesting, like, a different take on it. And I, and I was hoping that that would kind of come back in a way to kind of bite them in the ass and be like, oh, you know, I, I was so like focused on the, on one thing and i didn't see what was really important what was really in front of me but that, that doesn't really happen well yeah and, and we'll get into that i guess what i just really want to focus on is maybe that one line of dialogue because that in again i'm i'm saying in comparison to the rest of the dialogue in this movie i just think this is a little heavy-handed she's she could have been she could have been more nuanced about not knowing about drumming but the way she said it it didn't matter if it was drumming or if it was literally anything tap dancing or even if he was you know playing golf she could be like oh wow mvp model un teacher of the year oh and you know golf it's like oh okay (laughs) thanks you know so um i don't know i but again i'm really reaching here i thought this movie was really really good yeah and I, I agree. And my my only con kind of comes from that exact thing what you were saying. It's like you only really see the movie from two characters' perspective. You don't see an alternate route to greatness. And so there's there's kind of a loss of nuance in that. It is subtly in this movie. There is a lot of kind of subtleness to that and maybe like the idea that pursuing this has dire consequences. Going this far like could lead down a really terrible path. But it's not as... It doesn't come to affect Andrew directly. Right. It's, uh, it, I mean, obviously it looks like an unpleasant path to go down, but the movie, you know, it definitely makes it seem like the ends justify the means. Um, right. But, uh, but we'll get into that. Uh, all right. Let's, let's dive into the uh, overall section of the podcast. And I'll start by saying I think this movie is kind of like a Fifty Shades of Grey for musical students. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you, you know, you have like the impossibly cruel but impossibly genius and low key psychotic teacher uh, who can make the ambitious and talented young student into the greatest artist who ever lived. <laughs> If he's willing to sacrifice everything, um, J.K. Simmons transforms into an absolute monster right before your eyes uh, with his imposing voice and very specific insults. Oh my gosh, uh, so many good specific insults. So many great burns in this movie. <laughs> he, yeah, he's, I mean, he's not just a genius when it comes to music. He's a genius at like putting people down, uh, which just makes people respect him more. Um, yes. Like, uh, he's great. He offends, like, he offends every group you can think of. Yes. Um, but he's not just mean, he's inspired. You don't necessarily just hate him offhand because he's so mean uh because yeah. it seems like he's being mean because of like the insolence that surrounds him right the his meanness is justified because the people around him aren't living up to the expectations uh that he has for them terrence fletcher is committed to finding the next great artist rather not finding forging the next great jazz musician in the furnace that is his jazz orchestra throughout nice. the film he toes the line between committed and insane which makes him similar to our student young andrew neiman just 19 years old uh neiman is 
so committed to practicing uh, and well he's so committed to becoming this great artist that he's willing to practice until his hands bleed and he's willing to endure ridicule and injury um, not just from his hands bleeding from drumming but also literally getting hit by a truck um, and he's willing to go and the, the fact that he's willing to go through that so unapologetically uh, proves that he's not so different from Fletcher and I think that that kind of relationship between like, you know, cruel but inspired teacher and, you know, young and impressionable but w- willing to commit fully student is really intriguing. And uh, I think this movie explores that really well. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely agree. It's so, I mean, it's so strange and, and weird to see him kind of go through this this transformation. You know, you you see him become more like Fletcher. You see him dishing out insults, like being very, you know, brass and like not caring at all. So, so committed to what he's doing that he just doesn't care about other people. Yeah, it's you know, it, it at, kind at of that dinner scene, right? Yeah, he says, um, like I don't like. Do you have any friends, Andrew? And he's like, I don't see the point of having friends. Yes, like, that's like. <laughs> Yeah, that is uh, very much like Fletcher. Although Fletcher did have friends. Remember when he was talking to uh, that guy who had, who brought his like daughter, and he was like, "Will yeah. you play in my jazz orchestra when you're older?" You know, um, which just shows how uh, psychotic he is. You know, like he can be a nice guy when he wants to, and then he turns around, and he's a monster again, um, which was just super cool. Yeah, but he just demonstrates his level of control. You know, you can he has all this anger and just like he's throwing things at people and he's shouting at people and making people cry. But you can tell it's all like part of some sort of weird, twisted plan. It's not like he's losing, he's not losing control. He's not letting his emotions get the better of him. He's using his emotions to, you know, push these kids into states of uncomfortableness that translates to the people watching it. My hands were sweating so much during this movie. I was like, <laughs> right? I am so uncomfortable. Well, that's the thing. Everyone lets him do this. Nobody talks back because they understand yeah. that it's part of his method you know it's who yeah it's gonna make them better players for enduring that which i think is i think is low-key true it's why i'm saying like this is kind of a 50 shades of gray for med- for musical students because i think we've all had teachers <laughs> of music who are kind of mean not to yes. this level obviously and and obviously not all of us has ha- have had music teachers i'm talking about i've had okay i had a music teacher that thought he was as brilliant as terrence fletcher <laughs> But it wasn't quite as mean, but he thought he could justify his meanness in the same kind of way. I for the same reasons. I um I had two different people who taught like led my orchestra, um, one for like elementary and middle school and one for high school. And the high school one was much meaner and uh, but she was way better. Like I actually enjoyed being in her orchestra even though she was like mean really tough yeah yeah um so i i kind of got that in here and and obviously this is taking it to an extreme degree and that's why it's kind of 50 shades of gray it's like a you know it's like oh man i don't know what would it be be like what would it be like if my teacher was like really mean what if my teacher hit me while they're teaching me drums you know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i guess (laughs) there's some level of fantasy about it okay so the this movie is technically so brilliant. There's all this, um, all these really amazing long drawn out shots that are just like that pan over the whole orchestra or just linger on Andrew as he's playing. And it's, I mean, it's so beautiful. And there's all these different like ways that the camera just kind of moves with the music and shows you everything that you, that you want to see, right? Like there's parts where it kind of 
it shows uh, Andrew's face through the symbols and the symbols in the foreground and Andrew's face is in the background. It does that for like a couple seconds and then he hits the symbol, right? Like it's leading you into, oh, wait for the symbol crash. Here it comes. And it, it just does such a good job of translating what it's like to play the drums in into kind of a, a textual form. This this movie like really drew me in more so than a lot of the other movies that we've watched this podcast. It made me really want to sit back and enjoy it and not pause it and like write down quotes like I usually do. Yep. Like my palms were sweating. I was laughing and gasping. And I could just feel Andrew's frustration, but also his just unrelenting drive. He like could not be stopped for any reason. I totally agree and, with like, cause I, I mean, we both watch these movies a little bit different than people normally watch a movie, you know, like yeah. I'll sit there, I'll stop and be like, oh, I get it right about that. But for this one, I, I made sure I went back and watched all my favorite performances because you can't, there's, they are engaging. You don't want to leave it. You just want to yeah, sit there exactly. and enjoy it, the experience. And they're, yeah, they just really bring you in. And yeah, I, I went back and watched so many of the quotes again and just watched all these moments again and again. There's that one uh, thing uh, that J.K. There's one moment where J.K. Simmons smiles, like the most subtle smile you've ever seen. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it when he... I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to remember what part it's of the movie when, it is. Uh, it's when he brings Connolly in um, to play that part that Andrew wants. The one that he has to play super, super fast. Yes. And, and Connolly doesn't have his drumsticks. And so Andrew, he's like, hey, can I borrow yours? And Andrew hands it to him and gives Fletcher a look. And Fletcher has this, he just has this tiny smile. Like his, I was, I was practicing earlier today because I was just so <laughs> amazed. I, I watched that probably 10 times. Is it just like I, the creases of his mouth raised? It's like, you like, can only reason you can tell he moves at all. It's like, yeah, he like his, the tiny edges of his mouth move up and his ears kind of, kind of move. It's just like, like I, as soon as you see it, you're like, did I even see that? Did I imagine that? It's so subtle, <laughs> dude. And Yankee Simmons' face, man, his face. I um, I actually like my re like I did like a reaction image after I finished watching this movie, and I, it was like J.K. Simmons' face, and it looks like he's just like seen like some sort of otherworldly like ghost or something. His like face is like that. It's not though. It's just his face. I just took, like paused it, and it was like, oh, look at his freaking face here. You know, like, it, I, and he. Does so much with that face in this movie. Like he can be that nice, wise-looking old guy, but he can also be an absolute gargoyle. Um, oh yeah, which is, he's perfect for this role. Yeah, definitely. And so there's all this restrained like emotion behind everything he does, and it's just, but it's, but it also lets out. Like he's like he's letting it out carefully. You know what I mean? Like it's in a it's in a jar, and he's cracking it open just a tiny bit to let it kind of sneak out in a way that's like. The, completely under his control and I mean it's a testament I guess to Fletcher but more so a testament to J.K. Simmons to be able to pull this off in a way that's so convincing and but then of course he's contrasted almost completely by Miles Teller's character because he has to he never like restrains his emotion right he's always like his face is contorted in pain he's bleeding on the drums and everything you can see him like cursing and just like and hitting the like the symbols as fast as he possibly can his hands are just moving like a blur like i felt like i needed to watch this movie at a higher frame rate in order to truly appreciate the <laughs> stuff that was going on have you ever um like the parts where he was doing double time or whatever it's called oh, yeah. uh where you, you basically just have to hit the drum super super quick have you ever played mario party Yes. You know, like those, <laughs> yes. you know, those mini games where you're just button mashing. Like the whole <laughs> mini game is like hit A, 
more times than <laughs> the other people. As you can. And you're, and you're like, uh, and you're like, hitting so fast, and like your head is twitching back and forth too because you're just trying to do it as fast as you can. Exactly yeah, what he was e- doing on the drum. It's even better on the Wii because you got to just shake. Yes, <laughs> just shake as fast as you can. Exactly, and I, I definitely identified that experience with what I was seeing from him on the drums yeah. there, where he was just but going like, for it. In a way it. that's control. Like I didn't even understand. Like he has to do it in a way that's controlled, like in tempo. He has to do it in like consistent beats. Like how do you even? How do you even measure that? And like, how do you, how does sitting in a room for literally like four hours practicing the same part over and over again eventually get you to the point where you can hit the drum faster? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, like this is all like Miles Teller does such a good job of like controlling his face, controlling his body um, in a way that shows his like not his ability not to control himself, right? To show that Austin uh, or whatever his name, Andrew Neiman's um, just pure raw emotion toward everything he does. Um, and he's just, I mean, he's truly a talented drummer um, who feels like hes he can become great, um, but he also has this kind of, like, spite, this, this like, anger, this crazy, like, amount of just, uh, I don't know, frustration that he portrays really, really well. Man, <laughs> this is quite a movie. It is. And um, it, again, it's just like, it's so much more than words can say. Like, it's it's tough to really uh, get the the actual feel of this movie by just talking about it. It really, it's, yeah, it's one yeah. of those movies where I wouldn't try to convince somebody to watch it by explaining it. I would have to, you just have to trust a recommendation and say, go watch it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing that's really great about this too. There's there's hardly um, any exposition. There's There's a little bit, uh, when he after he gets uh, kicked out, right, where he, they're explaining to him like he, the, the 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 lawsuit that they're trying to file, um, but most of the movie is just this effortless, simple acting, editing, and camera movement. There's not a lot needs to be explained for you to understand exactly what's going yeah. on. Yeah, and it's done in a way that doesn't feel like you have to interpret. You know, it's just like it's clear to you. There's that one scene right where he's practicing right after that uh, that smile scene. Uh, where he goes back and he practices all night and he's bleeding on the drums and he has that pitcher of water and he puts his hand in it and you can just like all of that just like culminates into this like a perfect idea of what is going through his mind of just the level of dedication he's going through and the amount of like the amount of subtle stuff that um fletcher is giving him right you you can see in that moment as soon as he brings in Connolly, you know it's a trap you know it's a way just to get Neiman to work a little bit harder and uh, you can and it works he's helpless against it he's just like I have to I have no choice I need to go as far as I can yes <sighs> oh that's that shot where he like shoves his bleeding fist into the uh, pitcher of ice water yeah. that was amazing uh, I mean there's I plenty of great shots in this film but that was one of the ones that uh, stayed with me the most it's like wow and like the the water turns red, it's like wow, that's a lot of yeah, blood. Yeah, as, un- <laughs> as, as he unfolds his hand into the water. Oh man, it's just dude, blisters hurt so bad. Bl- yes. Blisters are one of those ones where you're like, why? How does this hurt today? so this bad? Why wasn't he wearing gloves? Can he not wear gloves? I don't know. Get some fingerless gloves. Have you ever seen a drummer wear gloves? I I don't know. I don't look at. I don't know. Well, because I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a very good example. I, I'm not, I've not seen a lot well, of Well, no, drums. I mean, this is, I mean, hey, any drummers listening right now, tweet at us, do you, can can you wear gloves? I would think that would may, potentially mess with the acoustics of your, uh, of your, like, the wooden drumsticks. Do you think so? I think it's a possibility. I've never thought about this, though. I just can't remember ever having seen a drummer wear gloves. Maybe, yeah, well, he just bandages his Does the drummer from up. Kiss wear gloves? 
Does anyone in Kiss wear gloves? I don't know. <laughs> I know those guys dress up a lot. I would think that maybe if they want to have some studs on their knuckles, they might put on some fingerless gloves. But maybe I don't know. Uh, but let's 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 find out. It's a good question. <laughs> Does I think. Kiss wear gloves? This is not what I want. <laughs> Does Kiss? There's wear a gloves? song by Kiss called "Fits Like a Glove." Uh, confirmed. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think we solved that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's um a lot of that. That's another thing that's hard to to um make look exciting, right? Practicing, dude. Practicing is on my list of top ten most boring things to do because I've done it. Practicing sucks. I actually. What's funny is while I was watching this movie, I was uh. I was list, I was like, wow, this is a really ambient film. I can even hear the French horn, somebody in the background playing the French horn uh, just while it was like a scene where he was in the hallway or something. Then I paused yeah. the movie, and I was like, wow, it's so ambient. The French horn continues to play even though I've paused the film. And then I realized <laughs> it's, it's my neighbor who plays the – who's an actual like <laughs> player of the French horn practicing on a, on a Saturday <laughs> evening. So um, – that's hilarious it's like it's like when you're when you're reading a book or something and you're really into it and then you start smelling something that's like happening in the book it's it's just like that right like it's just like that like you stop Uh, reading it or you stop watching it and you're like oh i can still hear it i can still i can still hear the drums playing okay we're spinning out of control here but have you ever read the red wall series yes i've read all of them they're so famous for the feasts dude. i always skip past the feasts <laughs> i couldn't stand it those books ruined reading for me i would i would i would skim over passages after i read those books i got it, got, it took me a really long time to get back into like reading books like every word because i would read redwell books and I'd be like all right they're singing skip 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 skip, skip. oh they're talking about the feast skip 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 skip, skip. It did sound delicious, though. It does, dude. It was one of my favorite, uh, like, book references, dude. That's the problem with reading books is you'll read a book and then you'll go the rest of your life without ever meeting anyone else who's read the book. So you can't. It's hard to bring it up unless you're just talking about like themes or topics from the book as opposed yeah. to the actual book itself. Um, but Redwall is a pretty popular one, so I love talking to other people <laughs> and how they dealt with the feasts because the side effect of reading about those feasts is you get really hungry. <laughs> Anyways, this is not whiplash let's bring it back let's bring it back to whiplash <laughs> um all right do you want to move on we? to our tweets oh yes okay um well yeah actually let, let's go ahead and do that um so i tweeted out that we were watching this film and before we started recording right now uh i said you know tweet at us if you have any comments or questions about the podcast or about the uh, movie and we'll talk about them on the podcast uh, and I, I think this is if we can get people to keep responding then I think this might be something we keep doing uh, but we're going to go ahead and read the ones that people send us for this so our first listener tweet comes from Dylan Thompson at Dill and Thompson uh, he says question for the AC boys uh, what are That's your us. favorite musical movies of the 2010s and where does whiplash stand some of he says some of mine include uh, some of mine as a list Inside Lewin? Lewin Davis, yeah. Inside Lewin Davis, La La Land, A Star is Born, Moana. Um, which I have, on this list, I've only actually seen La La Land. I've seen all I, of I like it too. Um, so what are your 2010 music movies, Joey? What are your um, favorite other than, Those are all good ones. Um, Inside Lewin Davis is a slow movie, but it's, it's interesting. It's a Coen Brothers movie. Um, and A Star is Born was really good. It, it kind of blew me away. Um, the other ones that he didn't list, 
uh, Straight Outta Compton uh, was a really good documentary, well, kind of more like a biopic about um, the NWA, and that that movie was really good, really good. And then there was The Greatest Showman that came out last year, uh, which was which, like say what you will about P.T. Barnum, it was a real this movie was really good and, and interesting, um, and the musical numbers made it stand out above all the rest. So um, yeah, as far as like just music goes, I think Greatest Showman is way up there on my list. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I actually went, there's a Wikipedia article for 2010's musical movies. <laughs> so it like lists out all the movies from each year that ha- are, that are like considered musical. Um, so I just went down the list and picked up the ones that I liked. Uh, Tangled was, uh, I think, from 2011. And um, I actually really liked Tangled. It was, I thought it was like a fresh take on... Yeah, uh, Tangled like, was good. The uh, what's it called? Uh, Rapunzel story. Rapunzel story. Yeah. Um, I'm also I did, looking at I this list. It. Did you? Uh, are you going to list Camp Rock two, the final jam? <laughs> if I had seen it, I probably would. <laughs> I've heard that Camp Rock was freaking amazing. Uh, at that age, I was still in the like Disney movies are inherently stupid, so I'm not going to waste my time. Um, so I don't. Have, I can't accurately judge that. Okay, fair enough. Because uh, actually, just while we're man, we're going on some tangents today. <laughs> um, have, did you see High School Musical? Yes, I have. I actually saw it live. Live? Yes. How? There was a, it's a uh, movie. There was a, a like a, a a play version of it. Oh. Where they okay, did well, where they didn't actually shoot any basketballs, but they did kiss at the end. <gasps> wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, is it a? Uh, so I guess. What do you think of High School Musical? Eh, I like eh. the songs. I liked. I mean, I couldn't help but hear some of the songs, but I never actually saw the movie myself. Anyways, okay, we're getting off topic here. Let me bring it back. Um, I also liked The Muppets, which was like, wow, that's a really indistinct title for a movie from a series that has a lot of movies. <laughs> but that's it's the one that's uh, Jason Siegel. Um, yes. And I liked it. I haven't seen it since it was in theaters, so uh, this is the judgment of me back then, but I liked it. Uh, Pitch Perfect I liked a lot also. I've only seen the first one, but I like Anna Kendrick uh frozen and this might be controversial i think frozen got played out like it was so popular that it became worse but on my initial viewing of frozen i liked it a lot and i thought that the let it go song was freaking awesome me too um it's also been overplayed but that doesn't change how i felt about it the the initial time uh and then i also agree with la la land uh la la land is great and it's also uh the guy who someone in this movie the director of this movie i think is the same director isn't it I for don't think so. I think he was a writer. A writer. Okay, but he was involved. Yes. Heavily yeah. involved, yes. Um, he also is... directed First Man, which is maybe still out in theaters. The one with uh, about Neil Armstrong starring Ryan Gosling. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is he also... Are you sure it's not um, the other uh, Armstrong, Louis Armstrong? Because it's another musical movie. <laughs> it's about another man with an obsession. Ooh. Wow, this this guy's obsessed with, <laughs> with people obsession. with obsession. What's the deal with that? Okay, um, but yeah, okay. Thank you so much, Dylan, for sending that in. Those are our 2010s musicals. Uh, if you can piece together that answer <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> all right, moving forward. Uh, DQ fam at Flatnot um, tweets at us. Uh, this is actually my friend Astro that came uh, that I met last year. What's up, Astro? Um, other than drummers. What would be your main instrumentalist and title of a hashtag whiplash spinoff? 
This is a great question. <laughs> so yes, it is a great question. Thanks, uh, Astro. Astro also submitted his own answer to this question. Uh, so he says a bassoonist, like a bassoonist. That's the instrument, and the movie's called Morning Wood. <laughs> An aging orchestra member journeys to the mountains to be enlightened amongst the wooden instrumentalist monks. <laughs> the bassoonist finally warms up to the headmaster when thwarting off intruders of dawn by being one of the <laughs> one with the wooden rhythm which i think sounds like a very yeah that sounds great i'd watch that movie (laughs) (laughs) morning wood goodness gracious joey did you think of any whiplash i had trouble but i i thought of one i thought a couple okay so my instrument would be a guitar and the movie could be called uh hammer on like the uh like the technique i learned that from guitar here i don't actually play guitar yes (laughs) here's here's the plot though okay right okay this guy like he goes and he beat he he buys a uh, a beat up guitar from a secondhand store, and he doesn't know how to play it, but he knows that he has that guitar in his hands. Just feels good, and it doesn't take long for him to realize that this is his one way ticket to the top. So he just starts rocking, and he never stops. He just keeps on rocking. Someday gonna make it to the top. Is this a foreigner <laughs> song? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Is that jukebox hero? It is. A foreigner? <laughs> I love it. That is a great reference. Oh, you have, do you have one? Yes. Um, I don't really have a plot uh, planned out, but I, I think that this is pretty obvious. So the instrument is the triangle, and the movie title is Try Harder, but That's it's spelled T R I. I like that so much. <laughs> Someone's got to do it, man. You know, yeah. it's a, it is its underrepresented, own. Uh, like demographic. The triangle, exactly. Player. Yeah. Can you imagine? It's just like you missed your cue, or like yeah. you hit it at the wrong time. You know, he's got the the triangle. He's like, I'm sorry. Five hours, three dudes, one triangle, and like ding. You like what are you no, talking like, about? I didn't say yeah. ding. I said ding. <laughs> and they switch. You know, then another guy holds it. Ding. <laughs> Uh, masterpiece waiting to happen yes uh do you have any others uh yeah i got one more this one i haven't thought out that far uh, i just called um the move the tr- the instrument would be a trumpet and the movie could be called brass yourself like uh brace yourself brace yourself <laughs> brass yourself <laughs> i guess that would like work it. for any brass instrument but <laughs> Well, if anybody listening has an idea for their own spinoff, definitely tweet those at us. Um, I think it's a good idea. So thanks, Astro. Um, and our last tweet that we have comes from Cody Goodwin at the real C note. Um, and he says, it's a fucking banger. It's literally band geek dark porn. That's just, he's talking about the movie in general. And uh, I totally agree, dude. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I, I feel like if, if anyone can enjoy this movie. Anyone, but if you have been part of an orchestra or a band or jazz band in the past, you have to see this movie. You know, you're so many. You'll be like, oh, they're just like me. Uh, even though this takes <laughs> yes. it to an extreme level, there's definitely some relatable content in there. Especially because being part of an orchestra, you inherently have to sink a lot of time into it. Um, so it, this is one of the times when you can, you know, cash in that experience for uh, so, something a in a movie, movie that, experience. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I and I think that's valuable. So uh, and obviously uh, I I know Cody and Cody's in uh, he was in band when we were in high school and he was definitely somebody who could understand this movie from that perspective too. 
Okay, uh, so thank you, Cody, for sending in that tweet. Let's keep it rolling here and head into our quotable moments. And I've got the first one. Why do you suppose I just hurled a chair at your head, Neiman? I, I don't know. Sure you do. The tempo? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. Start counting. Five, six, seven. In four, five. damn it! Look at me! One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now, was I rushing or was I dragging? Oh, no. Count again. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Rushing or dragging? Rushing. So you do know the difference! If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will fuck you like a pig. So, yes. This is such an important part. I think this is Terrence Fletcher's like uh, throwing the symbol moment. You know, I think he's a little bit too into that story. So he's like, I got yeah, to do it myself, you know, and he throws it at him. And he's so lucky that he ducked. Can you imagine? How do you explain that? It's like your student, uh, you knocked all of his teeth out and uh, he's going to, his jaw like, is broken. Uh, why'd you throw that chair at him? Oh, because I wanted him to be the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he it, does seems, it, it does seem well i mean he doesn't he doesn't physically hurt people that much but he well, does emotionally berate them to the level of throwing chairs at them yes well and, and it's like in this moment is when you really see terrence fletcher go um like full like monster yeah you know he, he truly transforms from this guy who was just helping you a second ago he's like you know just we'll take it you know we'll slow it down for you we'll slow down the tempo so you can you know because you're a newbie that's understandable right you're new here uh but then he turns into this absolute psycho throws the chair at him starts hitting him and, I, and for a lot of people um and i think it's a reasonable way to go about it is like that's kind of like the line they draw you know you can be mean to me you can shout at me whatever you want you know that's part of the process but when you like lay hands on somebody then you've crossed the line right yeah and he's willing to cross the line there's so many lines that he crosses he also uses like the other f word um which is yes i have that one over here yes uh and you know and, and it's like he doesn't care he uses the r word too i, I, I don't know dude there's so many words that when I was in middle <laughs> you don't school feel people like used saying <laughs> yeah well in middle school they were free range like the the baseline that's what i mean insults. like he doesn't care who he offends i mean right he, and this movie came out what 2014 or something so it's not like it's not like this was he didn't know better kind of thing Right, right, no, it wasn't okay then, you know, and it's like, uh, so, but that just shows how far he's willing to go. Hitting people isn't okay, you know, yeah. and uh, and telling your students you're going to, like, have sex with them as if they were a farm animal, that's not okay. <laughs> so, I think that this is, especially at this point in the film when you're still learning about who Terrence Fletcher is, this is a really good indicator where you're like, oh, whoa, all right, this yeah. guy's a monster but how do you function in an environment like that you know that's what that's what i think is really interesting is like as soon as you like neiman's in there right the first one of the, basically the first thing that happens is he kicks a kid out because he doesn't know if he's like sharp or flat right he doesn't realize if he's if he's out of uh off pitch and it wasn't even him he just he just started crying so so he kicked him out the well, guy the, yeah but and it then, seems like you can learn how to be in this environment, and that guy was like faltering. I, I, it's like, I, hold on, I, I feel like I cut you off. Go ahead. Like, go ahead. But no, like, go ahead. Go ahead. He's he should have known how to like react in that situation. You have to be confident. You have to yeah. know that you're there for a reason. And the fact that he was like too scared to react appropriately 
he was just, okay, well, obviously I'm Terrence Fletcher and I'm going to make an example out of you. You know, you have to be able to navigate his like psychological traps. And I think that's how he keeps his stuff. I mean, there's a certain part of it where it's like a reputation thing. Like if Terrence Fletcher is in charge of the most important jazz or the best jazz orchestra in the nation, in the world. Right. So he has to be able to push these guys. And if they can't handle it, he has to kick them out. Yeah. Well, I understand. I understand that. I understand like the example he makes of him. But imagine it from Neiman's point of view, right? He comes into this environment. The very, the very first thing is someone gets made fun of and then kicked out while they're crying, right? And then he has to, you know, st- step up and, like, perform at the level that they are, you know? And so, like, it's interesting that he's like, you just have to relax, you know? Which, so, like, I feel like you definitely have to because if you're all uptight and worried about what he's going to do, then you're not going to be able to perform. Yeah. So, but he has to kind of, he has to somehow get them to be terrified of him but not so terrified that they can't play an instrument <laughs> well it's also interesting the the difference between them in the practice room and them on stage and i think that's that's all, like a big part of it because once they're on stage they are are they're one you know they are together as a unit and how like they're only as good as their weakest link right yeah. so everyone has to be good and in that moment terrence fletcher is on their team they're all being judged as one thing right so um I think that that at least those experiences, uh, you know, kind of have like a team mentality. So you can see that it's not always like this. Terrence Fletcher isn't there to destroy you. He's there to make you better so that when you are teammates, then it's then it sounds good. Um, And again, I think this movie brings up like how far is that? Can you go before that's counterproductive? Yes. Um, But I don't think that they view him as only an antagonist. No, and I don't think he portrays himself as being an antagonist. He doesn't. He the thing he care. The thing is that he cares a lot. He cares so much. I don't know, but it's like yeah. Also, the way he expresses that does cross a line at <laughs> some point. I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> uh, my quote is. So that's your idea of success, huh? I think being the greatest musician of the 20th century is anybody's idea of success. Dying broke and drunk and full of heroin at the age of 34 is not exactly my idea of success. I'd rather die drunk, broke at 34 and have people at a dinner table talk about me than live to be rich and sober at 90 and nobody remember who I was. So this is kind of the central idea behind um, Neiman's um, motivation, right? The reason why he wants to become so great, the reason why he wants to... Um, play the drums and and be in Fletcher's band is because he wants to become great. He wants to be, um, you know, he wants his legacy to live on past the time he's dead. No matter you know, no matter what it takes, even if he burns himself out at 34 and he's like nothing, at least you know he's made a name for himself up to that point. He's uh he's done something that he can be proud of that people in the world would be, um, you know, able to talk about for the rest of time. It would survive that. But at the same time, I like, you know, being living to your rich and sober at 90 seems like a level of success that many people would want, would want, yes. you know, like, yeah. So I like, I kind of empathize with him, even though I totally disagree that, you know, living to your 34 and then being drunk and broke is like, a, is better than being living to your 90 and you know having your life together i guess it's just it shows that he's like he's almost delusional in his strive for greatness that he feels like he can that he feels like he can make it there 
by 34 and for it to be so lasting, even if it destroys the rest of his life. Yeah. And I guess it's it's one outcome, right? It's like you could be drunk and broke at 34. You could also be rich and sober at 90 and also be remembered as the greatest artist who ever lived. Yeah. You know, so it's it's not a set outcome, right? He's willing to take that risk. He's like, what I want is to be great and what I want is to be remembered. And it might be something that destroys me, but I'm willing to go through that. I mean, sure. But I, I mean, I feel like he's missing... A large part of life in a way you know yeah well in actually i think that kind of relates to how this movie is filmed right you were saying that like maybe it's missing a little bit of the nuance of the outside world you know yeah. but maybe that's because the movie's trying to give you the same perspective as these two characters who are like this is the only thing that matters even though in real life there's clearly more yeah because that was the, the argument that that uh like his uncle or whoever it was like gives he's like uh it's like your friends will remember you that's what's important and he's uh he's like i'd rather have people who weren't my friends remember me um or something or something to that, yeah yeah, that yeah exactly and it's like it, i guess it really depends how much value you put on being remembered right and then like there's this whole thing of like legacy right and like you see this in um in hamilton Though there's a there's this, the theme of that is like the, who will tell your story, how will your story live on, right? And yeah. they, they kind of give you this these two alternate routes: either having a family, or like working so hard that you neglect your family, and you you know become a, some 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 great figure in history. So, like I don't know if I agree with that division. I don't know if I agree that like you can't have one without the other. But like, are those things mutually exclusive? That's, I mean, I think that's a great topic for to explore in film uh, because Heat also kind of does that, right? You can either be a criminal who always gets away with it or you can be a family man, but you can't yeah. be both. As soon as you try to mix them, everything falls apart. Um, that's, and I think that, well, actually, I think that's a great segue into our next quote. Uh, so I'll go ahead and, and read, and, read uh, and play that. I'm just going to lay it out there. This is why I don't think that we should be together. And I've thought about it a lot, and this is what's gonna happen. Okay, I'm gonna keep pursuing what I'm pursuing. And because I'm doing that, it's gonna take up more and more of my time, and I'm not gonna be able to spend as much time with you. And even when I do spend time with you, I'm gonna be thinking about drumming. And I'm gonna be thinking about jazz music and my charts and all that, and because of that, you're gonna start to resent me. And you're gonna tell me to ease up on the drumming, spend more time with you because you're not feeling important. And I'm not gonna be able to do that. And really, I'm just gonna start to resent you for even asking me to stop drumming. And we're just going to start to hate each other. And it's going to get very, it's going to be ugly. And so for those reasons, I'd rather just, you know, break it off clean. So I think this whole line, everything he just said, made a lot more sense in his head. And then once he says it out loud, <laughs> even though I don't think he realizes it either until he gets the reaction, it sounds so much worse. Like he's, like you could have just said, listen, I came to school to work on my drumming and I don't think that like you deserve more time and I'm not going to be able to give that to you and I don't want to waste your time. So that's why I think we need to break up, right? And so that lets her know that she's valued and that uh, you, you, you've you taken her into consideration. Instead, he gives us this, which is so self-centered, makes him sound like a pompous ass. Which he or, is. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
but he doesn't have to sound like one. <laughs> but you're you're right, and he is, and that's why he says it, right? Um, but it's I think it's I think this is just so masterfully written because you can tell this made so much sense in his head, and he and he isn't expecting the reaction he's gonna get. Yes, and yeah, that first date too. I mean, all the interactions he has with Nicole are really great because they're written so awkwardly and they're done so awkwardly. But it's so it feels so real. It feels like you've been in that situation before, and I mean, even this, it's like, I've had thoughts about this before, about like, oh, like, you know, like, I can see where this is going to go, but like, can I, so can I, you know, nip it in the bud? Can I keep this from happening? And I don't know, like, you, there's a, there's a, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it, right? There's a, there's a way of saying like, I think you deserve more than what I can give you. And then there's saying, I think you're going to hold me back. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, she can't help but take this personally because she's kind of the opposite. She had, she's not, she's undecided in her major. She can't decide what she wants to do. She's very right. kind of loose and open about it. He, on the other hand, knows exactly where his life is going to go. So yeah, he's known. He's he's yeah. doing it as best, the best you can possibly be doing it. Yeah, and I mean that's the that's the thing I I saw recently. It's like uh, when you're looking for a partner, you need to look at for someone who has similar values to you. Similar interest is not nearly as important. If you guys have similar hobbies or something, that that's good, but that's not that's only surface level. What you really need is someone who holds similar values to you. And I feel like you know Nicole and Andrew, you know, um, definitely hold different values. And it's, I feel good that Nicole gets out of the situation when she does. You know, she has the exact right reaction, and then she moves on with her life. Yes, and I'm glad she didn't become some sort of like heartbroken like fan of him, yeah. like following him around. Like she's like, like, like what's her name in uh, uh the Prestige? You know the yes, the wife. yes, exactly. Instead, she's like, okay, uh, I clearly don't need this in my life, and she's yeah. gone. And it's like, good, there you go. Um, which I I think they handled this whole relationship really well. Uh, especially at the end, they kind of like bring it back and it's like, oh, now he's going to, you know, get back with the girl and discover love. No. Nope. No. <laughs> you missed your chance, man. Yeah. <laughs> that ship has sailed. All right. So um, my quote is actually right after yours. Because I want to be great. And you're not. I want to be one of the greats. I like this a lot. Because it shows, again, where Andrew's head's at. He he is constantly berated by Fletcher. He's constantly told that he's not good enough, that he's worthless, that you know he's um, a friendless, faggot-lipped piece of shit that mommy left with, <laughs> left for daddy or whatever. You know, you take your you take your quote wherever you like. Sure. He he like believes that he isn't good enough, right? But Nicole thinks that he's he is. He she thinks that like. Oh, you know, maybe you maybe you are already great. Maybe you have this ability, this talent, this skill that no one else has, and you're pushing yourself to a, a to a standard that doesn't really even exist. Why don't you like why don't you be happy with what you currently have? That's kind of what I interpreted from this short line of dialogue. It's like a it's like this self-esteem thing where it's like I don't see myself as good enough yet, and I have to work harder to be better. And she's like, I already see you as good. Why don't you see that for yourself? I yeah. spoke. That spoke a lot to me. I've. Uh, well, I mean, I guess. So, are you saying that his he should be more appreciative of where he's at? Yeah, I feel like he, like he's already worked so hard to get where he is. He doesn't need to work any harder. 
Right, but it's uh, it's such a. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I agree. I think that as like as a person who you know making an argument for living in the present and you know being happy, uh, just being more positive about your life. Yeah, I agree. He should be very proud of himself to be where he's at. Yeah, but at the same time, um, he's in the type of business where if you're not the best, you're basically a failure. Um, like there's not that's the not best, sh- right? But <laughs> like there's <laughs> you ain't first, you last, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> right, right. But I guess. There's a lot of people that play instruments, right? And if yeah. he wants to make that the only thing he does, he has to be really good. There's, there's like so much competition. I, I, I'm talking like I know the industry or whatever, but it just, uh, he's, every it, resting on his laurels goes against everything we've seen from him so far. That's true. And I mean, that makes sense for him to to make to make all these decisions, right? But I I feel like that's the, tale, the cautionary tale we're supposed to take away from this, is that like, is it really worth it? Is it really worth going this far to to do this? Like in the okay, so this is kind of a tangent, but I I promise I'm gonna get back to this. Okay. Um, in the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, he talks about uh, intelligence, about IQ, and about how people with um like at a certain there's a certain threshold of IQ where it doesn't matter how much smarter you are, you like what matters more is your ability to like your emotional intelligence, your ability to talk to people. And like, so if you get to a certain IQ level, it's just kind of like your success rate kind of levels off. Like you, like you, even if you become smarter, you won't become any more successful. So there's diminishing returns once you get to a certain point. Yes. Like it's good. Like it, your IQ level is, is correlated to your success level, but only to a certain point. At a certain okay. point, it levels off. Got and it. I think that's probably true for a lot of talents, a lot of skills where it's like at a certain point, you're you're so good that no one can appreciate just how good you are unless you're around other people that are so good. You just become like another really really talented person, right? Yes. And there's you know there's only maybe there's only a few of you, but maybe there's a lot of you. But it doesn't matter. What it matters more is like your ability to use that information and live your life like a normal person. Well, what you've just said I think is really important. The part where right before he gets the chair thrown at him, where um, Fletcher keeps being like, "Not my tempo." You know, just one more time. Yeah. Those all sounded exactly the same to me. Yes, exactly. So you're right. It's like you get to that point. And obviously, there's people who are judging this and aren't me, whatever. But I, I see what you mean. Like, there's a point where it's like, you're the same amount of good at the drums, you know, <laughs> right now. <laughs> From my perspective, are. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I understand this drive to become the best. But I also, like, I also feel like, you have to have balance in your life. You have to have other things in your life other than this. You have to step away from the drums occasionally in order for ideas, in order for creativity, in order for your you, your love of the thing to still be a love instead of becoming this crazy manic de- um, obsession. Yeah, if, um, if this movie was starring The Rock, it would have been a lot different. He still would have been the best at the drums, but, but he, he would, would have started sure. out being the best. Well, he would have made sure that he kept like family important and like his life really balanced. Like The Rock is one of the best like actors out there, like superstar actors, but he still has like his values in order and he has friends and yeah. he said he does like nice things, like charity stuff for people. Like he's got it figured out, dude. I'd love to see Whiplash starring Dwayne Johnson, dude. <laughs> can his you imagine him would... versus Fletcher? He would just like it would turn into a wrestling match. <laughs> no, dude, he would be able to just like to defuse. He would the catch situation. that chair and throw it back at him. 
Listen, I'm used to yeah. people throwing chairs at me. I mean, he would, no, he, would just, he wouldn't move. The chair would just bounce off of him. <laughs> oh man, yeah, you know, he would defeat him in the ring. Yeah, he would actually turn the yeah. chair like the, he'd throw the chair, turn the tables it. around. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I we're, we're taking your tangent and going on another tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, do you want to move to the next one? Uh, sure, let's do it. Truth is, I don't think people understood what it was I was doing at Schaefer. I wasn't there to conduct. Any fucking moron can wave his arms and keep people in tempo. I was there to push people beyond what's expected of them. I believe that is an absolute necessity. Otherwise, we're depriving the world of the next Louis Armstrong, the next Charlie Parker. Okay, okay. So again, this is like the central theme of the movie about like, and, okay, but how do you feel about this? You chose this quote. Well, I, I also think, chose this quote. Yes, well, I, I think that it's a idea that the movie doesn't necessarily endorse or uh or tell you to avoid i just think it's an idea that it brings up and says what do you, you think know, what do you think because um maybe he's right maybe if you don't push somebody to the absolute limit you won't see these greats these these uh feats of human achievement that last throughout time you know maybe he's right i don't um, know i mean like greatness can come from anywhere and if, if you break someone, you know, like, I mean, right after this, he's talking to, he's talking to, um, Andrew and Andrew says, well, you know, what if, what if you discourage the next Charlie Parker? He says, well, the next Charlie Parker wouldn't get discouraged. It's like, you're taking a lot into, like, you're making a lot of assumptions here. Like you don't have to, you don't have to go, you don't have to break people to encourage them to be great. At least I don't think so. And I almost feel like this is a justification for his actions. And maybe he does truly believe that what he's doing is right. But I also kind of think he kind of took this kind of sick pleasure in, in like fucking with these guys, you know, making them, you know, getting in their heads and making them feel terrible. And, and well, he's and good at it. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and the only way he can sleep at night, the only reason that he can say that what he's doing is good is, is through the justifications that he has. You know, he only has that one story about Charlie Parker and the, the symbol. There's plenty of other jazz musicians that went on to become great that maybe not had symbols thrown at them. That's true. And, um, yeah, I guess it does depend on your faith in uh, who you determine is, like, the greatest and how they got there. Uh, yeah, but which, this is, is old, which goes back to the dinner conversation. Isn't, uh, aren't music competitions subjective? Isn't there a subjective no nature to this? Of, like, if you're great or not. Isn't that up to people to, for other people to decide? According to uh, Andrew, it's not subjective. Well, Fletcher doesn't seem like it's objective either, right? He seems to think that there's like a right way to do it, and that's it. You know, there's no room for 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 you know playing around. There's no room for you know um, making it up as you go. It's my way or the highway. Which I think is just kind of that's also kind of a music thing. Like uh, when I was in orchestra, I, like there's a certain way you're supposed to hold the bow, the, yeah. the thing you slide across the strings, and it's kind of weird. You like put two of your fingers together in the middle, and you kind of curl your your ring finger or your uh, sorry your pointer finger, and you have to put your pinky like resting on top of it, so it's like like almost almost like you're being fancy, but you're curling it instead. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, and your thumb has to be beneath it in the right way. Yeah. And I was like, dude, 
I have just to do all hold of that? Yeah, just let me hold it. Like I would, I would can always get corrected on my bow hold, but I'm like, I'm playing it. Am I not? You know. Um, but that's kind of. I feel like that's just kind of with the culture. Yeah, of, there's a certain uh, like, amount of particularity. Involved. Very strict, very regimented kind yeah. of culture around music. So I don't know. I but I, I think it's he's again. It's like one of these situations where he's kind of spelling out what this movie is about. He's literally yeah. saying it. Um, which I don't even know if we need it at this point. I like I already knew this, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, but I don't agree with it at all. And um, well, but I like I know that's the thing is like I liked hearing him say it because it made me like think of it in a different way. Maybe think that he was justifying his actions more so than it was like a deeply held belief. Oh, uh, okay. So like you were saying that this wasn't really what he was trying to do. He was just a bad person. Maybe. I um I don't know. I kind of like this idea um, of taking like what's possible when a human who's re- already really talented throws everything else to the wind and focuses on one thing. I think it's really cool. Uh, like it is obviously, cool. it's a lot of sacrifice, and it's it's. I don't know if it'd be something I'd personally want to do, but I think that the concept of it and the fact that there's so many humans that like statistically, there's got to be a, a pair of them that are willing to do something like this, and then we end up having like this amazing feat of achievement. Dude, that's sick. I, you know, I'm a human also, so the fact that yeah, they got what, it done but makes, is it worth the, is it worth the suffering? I think that's a personal choice. If it's up to them, it, it is up to them. And if it's worth it for them to sacrifice it, then more power to them. It's tough to know though, because you can't you can't like go your whole life and be like, oh, that wasn't worth it. Let me go back. Right? It's a, <laughs> you just got to commit and hope that whatever comes is what you were hoping for. I mean, that's true. I just think it's a really... Uh, I don't know if there is an answer. I don't think there is. No, but... You, it's a choice you have to make on your own. Uh, and, and I think that it's a really cool topic to explore in this movie. I think they told the line really well b- between like say, like saying yes and saying... Like saying yes, this is a good idea. You should do this. And maybe that this is not worth it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, last quote. This is right after this conversation too. There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job um so this is again this kind of ties together fletcher's whole philosophy and that like he like you can't give them a you can't give them a moment you know you can't give anyone any kind of credit uh, because if you say good job then they become reserved and they're like oh i did a good job oh it was okay you know i can do i didn't uh i couldn't do it any better you know but like that doesn't necessarily, those things aren't mutually exclusive either. You can say, good job, but also, you could be better. Right. Um, only the Sith deal in absolutes. Like, yeah. positive reinforcement isn't wholly negative. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't, I, I, I disagree with this. I and mean, it's just a, I mean, it's an iconic line for sure, right? No two words. Oh, yeah, it sounds more great. harmful than good job. Yeah. And it's like this whole, like, participation trophy mentality kind of thing. You know, it's like, we shouldn't give credit to people that don't deserve it. We should only give credit to people that really deserve it. But he's saying, like, the way he's he's describing this as is as if no one deserves to ever hear this. Even someone who's great, even Charlie Parker, after he's got a symbol thrown at him, never heard the words, good job, because otherwise that would have, you know, stunted his growth. Right. Um, 
I've heard it as like a toxic gym culture type thing. Yeah. Where it's like, for sure. Bro, once you're satisfied with what you see in the mirror, you've lost. You have to always <laughs> be improving, you know? And, yeah. uh, and that's kind of, uh, what he's going for here. Yeah. I, I definitely don't agree with yeah, this. Yeah. But at all. I, okay. But I, like, I, I kind of subscribe to the idea. Like, this idea of being content is not a, is, is kind of more harmful than good. But there's also being like, happy with your accomplishment you know it's like saying oh i worked hard today oh i did good today tomorrow i'm gonna you know i'm gonna come out and do it again i'm gonna you know i feel good about this so that's gonna encourage me to do it more but like you know there's i feel like good job or saying like oh being happy with your performance is a temporary idea not a sustainable one right if you're constantly justifying your yourself to be content with how you are then you're never gonna get better and you should always try to get better. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't positively affirm the good things you do so that you can keep doing them. I totally agree. I think it's kind of frustrating. It's frustrating that like it comes down to this kind of absolute idea of like, there's an easy way to do this. We just won't positively affirm anyone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no, there's no silver bullet. Well, I think you've made a salient point here, Joey. Good job. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's keep this thing rolling. Um, so what we've prepared for you here is a absolute um, bombardment of some of Fletcher's greatest burns from the Try movie. not to internalize any of these. Yes, these aren't directed at you specifically, <laughs> the listener. All right, let's get it going. Well, you're in the first chair. Let's see if it's just because you're cute. Three, four. Yep, that's why. I'm upset! You are a worthless, friendless, faggot-lipped little piece of shit whose mommy left daddy when she figured out he wasn't Eugene O'Neill and who is now weeping and slobbering all over my drum set like a fucking nine-year-old girl. The folder is your fucking responsibility, Tanner. Why would you give it to Neiman, right? You give a calculator to a fucking retard, he's gonna try to turn on a TV with it. Now get your sticks and get your ass on stage. Sorry, guys, hate to put you through this. If you need to fucking take a dump or get a coffee, whatever, now might be a good time because we're going to stay here until I find a drummer who can fucking play in time. I apologize to the musicians. Is that really the fastest you can play, you worthless Jaime fuck? When did you become a fucking expert on what I can or cannot do, you fucking weepy willow shit sack? <laughs> um, okay, so uh, all these are amazing, and each of them got like a laugh from me, but also if I heard them in real life, I would like think about it for maybe the rest of my life like you know if someone said something like this to me i would just be like oh my god like where does that come from where is that you know where is the justification like is it's almost over to the point where it's over the top where like if you heard this you might just laugh out loud at how ridiculous it is however yes no I, the thing is yeah it's because jk simmons is delivering it that's why you don't yeah. start laughing yeah because he's just you know he means it you know he's like he pulls this out just to like put you down. He's like being, he's like exercising his creativity to you know, make you feel worse about yourself. And I don't know, it's just like this level of um, extremeness that like penetrates to your soul, you know, where you, you almost feel like you, you, uh, you can't help but believe him in a way. Right, right, exactly. When he's when he's like attacking you, uh, he's not necessarily just insulting you. He's stating things that are true. Right, and right. that's extra, extra hurtful. Um, more, 
One of my favorite ones from here is uh, I apologize to the musicians, which is a, like a subtle one. But this is when he was referring to the rest of the band as musicians and, and the, the drummers as something other than musicians. Yes. And, and yeah, that's, so that's effective <laughs> insulting right there, dude. You don't just have to go for the most expletives. You have yeah. to go for what hurts. And yeah. obviously everyone Turn who's the at knife. this. Yeah. <laughs> everyone who's at this school is a musician, <laughs> you know, and uh, like. That one, uh, that's cutting right there. That so I, uh, yeah. I love that. He's so good. Like, and I think that's really important that we nail that down. Is that this movie would not work if it wasn't for J.K. Simmons's uh, performance? If he oh, yeah. couldn't sell this monster, um, it could very easily be seen as just like over the top and silly. Um, but the fact that he doesn't, it's it's all it's so immersive, and you, you really feel like this guy exists. Is uh, what makes it great. What makes yeah. that his performance great. For sure. All right, Joey. I think you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper. Deeper, 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 deeper. All right, and I'll get us started off uh, with the question that I was I was really curious about after I finished the movie is, can Miles Teller really play the drums? In this movie, I was also is curious he really playing the drums? Yeah. Um, so I looked it up, and apparently Miles Teller... Uh, is he actually has experience as a drummer. He was in this band called The Mutes. Uh, I think it was just like a rock band he had with his friends or something. Um, but apparently rock drumming is very different from jazz drumming in that you actually hold the sticks a different way. So he basically had to start from scratch. And in preparation for this movie, he did like a two-month drum boot camp where he was practicing the drums like he's getting instruction three to four hours a day for two months leading up to the film and that and that um i also read stuff about this he uh the person that was training him was the the actor that played tanner oh really yeah that's awesome um yeah so he like he is actually playing the drums although so the pieces that are in this film um caravan and whiplash are apparently well if it's not obvious, uh, they're really technically challenging. So they would break it up. So like when you see him playing it, he is playing it, but he's only been playing for a few seconds as opposed to what it shows, which is this this test of endurance uh, for him to be able to do this. Uh, so they broke it up. So yes, he is actually playing them, but it's not like, if it's not obvious, it's not one shot, okay? Right, yeah, um, yeah. And like for just an example of just how difficult that is to do, uh, Caravan, which is the song they play at the end, took two days to shoot uh, all the different camera angles on the drums. So um, honestly, I thought movies took forever so to shoot anyways. Um, yeah. But like that's that's how they sold it. And I, I think it does look really good. Because a movie can look... It looks amazing. Uh, that's, that last scene is so crazy. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I actually... <laughs> I feel like I should have said that at some point. The, the climax of this film is so amazing. Like yes. you... It makes... I know that a lot of films is like you have to have a climax, like the part of the movie that's the most exciting, the part that is, uh, you know, that really wows you. It's kind of what you're building towards. This movie has it. Um, and it's kind of the movie leaning towards, yes, this whole process is worth it because you get this amazing show at the end that makes you just drop your jaw and uh, say, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. it's worth getting a chair. The, at you. It's so amazing that, that like the way they, they put that whole thing together, you know, and, you know, um, Fletcher puts that situation in place to ruin Andrew just because Andrew ruined him. Yes. Um, and he's just, I mean, he's Machiavellian. He does all this stuff to just get inside his head and make him feel worse and everything. This is like the nail in the coffin. But then Andrew turns it around somehow. He proves that he's his equal. 
Um, and of course, you know, Fletcher's extremely irate, but eventually he comes to the point where he like, like he shows a little bit of respect for him. And even at the end, right, where you see the eyes and you see him say something, does it look like he says good job? It's hard to tell, but <laughs> it, he says something that like affirms, um, Andrew and it makes him, you know, like realize that, yeah, I've done it. You know, I, I, I've, I've impressed this guy that I, uh, I find so amazing. So. Well, even like just where they're at, the literal stage was set for something great to happen. And yes. he, uh, and, and even if just based on Andrew's worldview up until this point, if this is the only thing he does, I think it's worth it to him. He was to be on stage with these legendary performers, these other people who are considered to be the best in the world. Remember, they're mm-hmm. the best performers in New York, which means they're the best in the world. Uh, and he does this transcendent performance that wasn't even planned. Um, yeah. I, I think that, in itself is like maybe hopefully at this point Andrew can be like okay I've done something good maybe I've done a good job you know yeah, maybe I've done a good job yeah so uh, but but I also like how you don't have to worry about that because the movie ends right there uh, yeah and it just leaves you with your like mouth gaping uh, <laughs> just watching the credits scroll by yes okay so my uh, my deeper topic is kind of something we've been touching on a lot so let's just dive into it. Tough love, does it work? What do you, so? I I think it doesn't, and I think the reason it doesn't is because it's there's a natural reaction to it. You know, something that doesn't happen in this movie, which I was surprised about, was that the other band members don't rally around like this idea that Fletcher's an asshole. You know, they don't say like there's not like a support group for Fletcher people. You know, that's kind of what I would expect though. Is like these people like after they leave the the um the classroom right they're like hey that was stupid and terrible right why did he do that and then and then they go off to like you know talk about it and form like this bond around this idea that like their teacher is a, like a crazy maniac well can I can I bring something up yes um why isn't Andrew friends with the other drummers because he's a rival he's their rivals they're all rivals everyone in this thing is competing with the person in front of them to but what get about a the other seat. what about instrument to instrument you know, like he's not competing with the saxophone. Hey, man, don't touch my folder. You know. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing. Is like, <laughs> there's two ways he could do that. No, that's. I mean, that's the. They explicitly make it so that the there are no friendships in this, and like they're they're all like none of them stand up for each other. None of them are are friends. It seems like, you know, they kind of talk. They're kind of they're kind of friendly, I guess. They're more like acquaintances, though. They they all know that they they can be out in just a second, but like. Why can't they associate with other people in the in the in the room? You know, why can't they be friends with each other and kind of stand up as a group against Fletcher? Well, you, you're um, I mean, you're saying that about Andrew's relationship with the other people in the jazz band. The other people sure. in the jazz band did seem like they were friends with each other. Remember when he goes there at six fifteen or whatever, and then no one's there until nine, and uh, they all walk in and they're having a chat, you know, saying normal yeah. college kid stuff. And then when Fletcher shows up, you know, to attention, you know, just like a it was it was a really good contrast between the before Fletcher and once Fletcher's arrived, kind of the, the, the what the room is uh what yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. in there. So I don't know if that's as much of an indictment on the students as it is on andrew that's probably true because he does seem to be actively against being friends with anyone you know he doesn't he doesn't seem like he wants to like make friends or, or be nice to anyone 
Yeah, certainly not with his fellow drummers, obviously, no. but also it doesn't seem like he goes out of his own way to make friends with these other like guys. For sure. Okay, so yeah, maybe that kind of takes my, my my point away a little bit, but I still believe that I think there's a point where tough love goes too far, where you tell someone that they suck and that they're worthless enough, they eventually just believe you and stop trying. I think that pushing someone is, of course, a good thing, but there are lots of different ways to do that. The people that put you down that demand the most from you, I think it's really easy to dismiss them as unreasonable. You start to just grow to resent them. And maybe that's a testament to Fletcher that maybe he like his insults like hit home, you know, that like maybe he's always right about these things. But I don't know, like in certain situations, I'm sure he's made mistakes. In certain situations, I'm sure he's like been overbearing to the point where it seems ridiculous. Like he's he cares about this detail that is absolutely insignificant. And so, like, why does Andrew continue to do this, right? Is he is he drumming for the right reasons? Well, Is he doing it because he loves to drum? He's there for a reason, right? I think that's the closest thing we get to positive affirmation from Fletcher is when he forces Andrew to say out loud, I'm here for a reason. Yeah. And I think yeah. that maybe that's a, that's a flimsy way to set it up, but he says, like, all right, you're here for a reason, and that has to be true for the rest of the t- our time together. And then, right. so he's going to continuously tell him why he's a ba- he's not supposed to be there. But, but he's not telling him to leave. Right, and well, and, and he's relying, he's not going to be the next uh, Louis Armstrong um, or the next Charlie Parker unless he believes that he's there for a reason. So you I mean, can argue yeah. whether at some point the one okay. thing you said gets overruled by the 80 things that you said in the opposite <laughs> that negate that one thing. Yes. Um, but he does that, I would say, is like a one piece of positive affirmation. That's true. You know, he does like try to put him at ease in the hallway. You know, he tries to say like, like, I, I'm not like the reason I brought you in here is not as incentive for Tanner. It's because I think you're. You're good. I think you're good. I think you can be good. Yeah. So, I but he know, was also is... he also had a conversation with him to get um you know ammunition to use as insults. Yes, definitely <laughs> for sure. I don't know. I, I I think for me like the people that I want to impress, the people whose opinions matter to me, are those that show me respect and that show that they have confidence that I can be better than I am or that I am better than I am. So, but I mean, I guess Fletcher does the same thing to Andrew in a, in a way. Um. Just like you said. So, I don't know. Maybe you're changing my mind on this. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's, again, I think that there's not like a yes or no answer to this. I think this movie uh, shows you Fletcher's uh, method and shows you the results and then lets you be the judge of whether or not it's worth it, whether or not it's uh, something a, a viable option for, you know, getting someone to be great. Um, yeah. Which is what makes it so much fun to watch. <laughs> for sure it's not just something like something nice to listen to and something nice to look at uh it, right. it's there's a lot of there's drama and action in this you know there's a lot of you know pieces falling together and plans laid so and it's about jazz orchestra dude are you kidding me <laughs> movies can be about aliens and and you know uh magic and samurai warriors chopping each other to pieces but this movie about jazz orchestra gives you this much dude i'm 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 sold dude i love sold it. on movies I'm so, yeah give me more movies dude <laughs> i love it so, okay um, all right okay um I, that's it all i got i think all right, well then let's go ahead and 
slide over to our ratings, and um, I'll go first on okay. this one. So for my rating, I give this movie three tickets to a jazz band performance. One for my dad, one for my ex-girlfriend, and one for her boyfriend. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I give this movie two drumsticks right up your ass! Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay. All right. Um, what's next? What's our next movie? The next movie we're doing is uh, Office Space. I can't wait. Um, Me either. I, I actually, I've never seen it. I saw Office Space a long time ago, like mainly for the meme, uh, meaning that uh, there are multiple memes in that movie, and I was like, "What are these from?" So I, I <laughs> and, and we owned Office Space on DVD, um, so that's why I watched it back at my parents' place. But um, I'm actually a little bit terrified of watching this movie again because back then I had never worked in an office and now I work in one all the time. Me too. So it is going to be... I, I know that the genre isn't horror, but I have a feeling that's how I'm going to come out uh, after watching it. <laughs> we'll, we'll see, though. I'll, I'll Should res- be less blood, though, right? Yes, uh, I'll reserve judgment until then. Um, anyways, uh, I think that covers it for Whiplash. Joey, do you have anything else? No, let's move on. All right. For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at Affable Chat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.